Tonight I'm speaking on what I've titled the victorious life. The victorious what? Life. The letter of Apostle Paul to the Ephesians opens us as believers to the vision of this new family created by Christ. And God breaks down all that separates us from him and also from each other. So that we can be part of this new family. So we can enjoy everything that reconciliation brings. Now, one of the things expected of us is that we must put away all uncleanness and ungodly behavior. The things that we did before our conversion, before we were saved, and live a life of true righteousness and holiness. Apostle Paul further also teaches us that we must learn to submit to one another in every kind of domestic relationship, talking of husband and wife, children and parents, and also to promote harmony in our homes. Now, as I lay this background, there are four things that Apostle Paul emphasized as major characteristics of this new life that we're enjoying and this new family created by Christ. Four things. Number one is unity. Number two, diversity. Number three, purity. And number four, harmony. Unity, diversity, purity, and harmony. These things are a part of the things that reconciliation with God provides. It wants us to be awakened to the fact that the devil has come to overturn everything that reconciliation with God provides. So instead of the unity, the enemy has come to sow discord. The enemy has come to sow division instead of unity. Instead of diversity, when we talk about diversity, we're talking about the different gifts of the spirits that we walk in and the different ministries. So instead of flourishing and manifesting the diversity, the beauty of that, the enemy has come to sow competition and also sow en envy. And comparison. Oh, my gift is better than yours. Oh, I can do this and you can do that. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, you're a pastor. I'm an apostle. <laughs> We're not on the same level. You know, instead of the beauty and the manifestation of the spirit of God for the profiting of all, the enemy has now come to sow envy and discord and competition. Instead of purity, he has brought immorality. And filthiness. He has come to sow uncleanness in the body of Christ. Instead of harmony in relationships, he has come to sow division and separation in homes. Couples are separated. Children are separated from their parents. Different kinds of division and discord. 
That's what he has brought. The devil, listen to this, the devil wants to tear down what the Lord has built and rebuild what the Lord has destroyed. He has no good intentions. Just in case you think he has any kind of good intention. No, the devil has no good intentions. Three things when it comes to his purpose. In John chapter 10 verse 10, he tells us that the devil is a thief. And he comes to do three things. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. He has come to steal the things the Lord has blessed you with. Let me tell you something. You know all those testimonies we shared? The enemy wants to steal them. He wants to steal them. The things the Lord has blessed you with, he wants to do what? To steal them. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your peace. He has come to kill dreams. You know, people don't just forget dreams. Oh, I, oh this was a dream I had. I just forgot. No. He killed it somehow. He killed it. He has come to kill dreams. To kill visions. So you don't achieve the things that you've planned. So you do not fulfill the things that the Lord has purposed for you. What else has he come to do? He has come to destroy homes. Destroy businesses. Destroy families. Destruction is a specialty. The enemy never gives anything good to anyone. He gives you something, it will take a hundred back from you. So, Apostle Paul is saying, guess what? We need to wake up to the reality of this call to battle. We need to wake up. He ended the book of Ephesians from chapter 6, verse 10. He tells the people, finally, this is what I have to tell you. Wake up to the reality of a call to battle. One way to be victorious in a battle is to know your enemy. One way to be victorious in a battle is to do what? Is to know your enemy. Nobody goes to war without gathering intelligence. No. You want to know about your adversary. You want to know about your enemy. You know, here in the United States, we have the CIA, right? um, Central, Central Intelligence, right? Agency. I discovered that they are called the first line of defense in this country. What do they do? They gather intelligence. They gather detail about those who are planning to threaten the safety and security of this nation. That's their job. So there are many things that have been prevented based on the intelligence they gathered. We don't know. We just sleep and we wake up. Oh, it's just another day. Oh, it's a beautiful day. Oh, we even abuse them sometimes. You know, like, oh, what's wrong with this government? They are working day and night gathering intelligence just to make sure that they are able to be victorious over their enemies. In the same vein, let me tell you, when it comes to the enemy, we must know that if you try to fight a spiritual battle, Without an idea of the devil, you will go out and end up getting defeated. You must know. You must know. The enemy. His tactics. Paul brings 
an awareness to the unseen spiritual battle that is raging. It comes to warn us and also to teach us how to overcome the devil. This is not a one-day fight. And during this battle, let me tell you something, there is no ceasefire. You know the way they do, you know, you do ceasefire for like two days, three days. There is no ceasefire. You cease fire, you are, you are, you are ceased for just ceased. <laughs> there is no ceasefire during what? This battle. Go with me into Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, (laughs) against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. In other words, our struggle is not with human beings, but with cosmic intelligences. Our struggle is not with flesh (laughs) and blood. No. Our enemies are not human, but demonic. The battle we're talking about. Now, the forces of darkness have three characteristics that we're going to go through real quick. Number one, the forces of darkness when it comes to principalities and power. The forces of darkness are powerful. The forces of darkness, they are what? They are powerful. They have a certain level of power. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 verse 19, Jesus speaking, he says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means do what? Hurt you. So, the forces of darkness have a certain level of power. You must understand that. They are also called the world rulers of this present age. Rulers of this present age. One thing about ruling is this. You cannot rule without power. You can lead without power. You can lead with influence. But you cannot rule over a set of people. You cannot govern without power. And the scripture calls them the rulers of darkness of this age. Meaning they are ruling with a certain level of power. The power of the enemy, however, is only potent to rule those who are of the world. Not everyone. John chapter 14 verse 30. Jesus speaking to his disciples. Here it says, this is the um, NLT version. It says, I don't have much time to talk to you. Because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. So while the enemy has power over some set of people. Because we are in Christ, he does not have power over us. Understand that. Not that he does not have power. He has. And that power is used to rule those of the world. Not those who are in Christ. So the first thing you must understand when it comes to the characteristics of the forces of darkness is that they are powerful. Scripture also says, let me read 1 John chapter 5 verse 19. 1 John chapter 5 verse 19 says, 
that we know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. You see that? The world around us is under the control of who? The evil one. Number two, the forces of darkness are wicked. They are what? They are wicked. One thing about power is that it can be used constructively. It can also be used destructively. The enemy never uses his own power for anything constructive. He uses it to destroy. To destroy homes, to destroy families, to destroy nations, to destroy businesses. He uses his power destructively. Most times when people perpetrate evil, they do it in, in the dark. That's why it says the rulers of darkness. You know, that's the habitation of evil. That's where wickedness is done. People like to do it in secret. So you don't see them, but you see the results. So the force, one of the forces that the enemy uses is what? It's wickedness. They are called the spiritual hosts of wickedness. They host it. Meaning they are always planning and preparing. You know, if you're going to host a guest, what are you doing? You are planning. You are preparing for them, right? That's what the enemy is constantly doing. They are hosting wickedness every day. You survived 365 days this year. Let me tell you something. He prepared wickedness for you every day of this year. But the Lord in whom you are in saved you from everything. So the forces of darkness, they are wicked. Oh, you can't fight a battle you don't know who you're fighting with. There are no codes to this. The enemy has no moral code. The enemy does not understand any, um, what's that thing called? Um, Geneva um, conference, or what's the thing? Convention thing. Oh, the international law. There's no international law. Is there nothing. No. No. Doesn't understand that you located from, relocated from a place to another place? Or you know unseen things. Spiritual host of wickedness in the heavens. Heavenly places. And number three, the forces of darkness are deceptive. One of the things the enemy uses. He uses tricks. He's very cunning in his ways. Very deceptive in his ways. And Apostle Paul tells us to watch out for this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 to 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 to 11. The NLT version says, When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority, for your benefit. Now watch this. So that Satan will not outsmart us. For we are familiar with his evil schemes. You can't afford to be unfamiliar with it. I know you have the Holy Spirit. The more reason why you should be familiar with it. So it will not do what? Outsmart us. is very cunning. Jesus teaching us. It says, watch out for those who are wolves, but they come in sheep's clothing. 
That's deception. 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 It also says, you know, the enemy comes sometimes like a roaring lion. Like a, like a what? A roaring lion. If you hear a lion roar right now, what will you do? You just run. If we hear it from this angle, we run, right? I know I'm the last person here, but I'll be the first person to get there before you all even get there. If we just hear it, we won't wait to see it. We won't wait to confirm it. So the enemy tricks people by roaring like a lion, but he's not a lion. Only one person is the lion, and that's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and that's Jesus himself. So he uses things like that to put fear into into our lives. Deceptive in his ways. He's cunning in his ways. But because we serve a God, (laughs) who is the lion of the tribe of Judah himself, we always outsmart him. He also comes like a serpent, very sleek, very sleek. He will come looking for ways so you can make, for you to make errors. And make mistakes. You come so you can fall. Just bring different things your way. So the forces of darkness, number one, they are powerful. Number two, they are wicked. And number three, they are deceptive. They are deceptive. There's a man called Dr. Lloyd Jones, long time ago, the late. 1800s into early 1900s. He served as a minister at the Westminster um, Church in London for 30 years. It was quite popular. And he wrote a book on spiritual warfare. And I got a quote from that book, and here is what it says. If you can put that up for me. In that book, it says that I am certain that one of the main causes of the ill state of the church today is the fact that the devil is being forgotten. All is attributed to us. <laughs> we have all become so psychological in our attitude and thinking. We are ignorant of this great objective fact that being, I'm sorry, the being, the existence of the devil, the adversary, the accuser, and is very what? Darts. This right here, brethren, this right here, this is the major issue of today's church. Oh, we are asleep. Yes. It says that we have even forgotten that I saw one called the devil. <laughs> Meanwhile, that's what the enemy uses. While men slept, while men slept, he did what? He came in and just sold. He just sold things there. Just planted it and left. <laughs> planted it and did what? And just left. For us to begin to see the results of that. You cannot fight spiritual battles with physical weapons. Jesus stole that person around him when they, were, when, when they came to get him. I think I spoke about this two weeks ago. The, that, the guy removed his sword to cut off the, 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 the ear of one of the persons. Um, the guys that came from the high priest. And Jesus said, my friend, no, put that away. We spoke about this on Christmas Day. That do you know the, the, the amount of people, the hosts of heaven with me? 
You cannot fight spiritual battles with what? With physical weapons. With physical weapons. You know, let me share a testimony with you. I've had different encounters this year with God. And I think I mentioned it at the Christmas service. That over and over again, God continues to confirm and reconfirm that he's with me. And in the month of November, I think, I received an instruction from God to wait on him for three days at a particular time in December. So, when I got that instruction, I was aware I came back, I told my wife, this is what the Lord told me to do on this particular day, in these three days. Incidentally, it happens to be when I was away, just recently. So I kept on remembering all through the trip. I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget because, you know, I'm going home. And, you know, whenever you go home, you know, you know, you know there are some food you've just not eaten in a, in a long time. They just, you know, they are all over the place. So you really want to go in. So I just kept on telling them, please don't let me forget so the first day came of the fast. The first day came and lo and behold, lo and behold, I got down that morning and there was yam and eggs. As I've not eaten this type of breakfast in a while. I was smelling the thing. I said, ah, the devil is a liar. <laughs> so I started the fast. I told my wife. She joined me. And then I told my parents that, oh, I received this instruction and this is what I'm doing. And, you know, if you can join me on the third day, that would be great. So we went out that day, waiting on God, went out. We're driving. Now the point, we were in a particular area. And I was about to make a left. This was me, the car. This was the, the what's what they call that divider thing. There was no lane, nothing next to me. I was about to make a left. As I turned about 45 degrees, I just had a big bang. And the next thing I saw was someone flying 15 feet in the air in front of my car. I saw the person flying and rolling and rolling and hit the ground and rolled into the middle of the streets. I said, What? Of course, we got down from the car. Went there. Middle of a busy street. But for some reason, no car was coming at that particular time. Someone came, picked the guy up, and was shaking him. I went to the front of the person. I just laid hands on him. I said, wake up now. I mean, what would a pastor do? Wake up, wake up. And just wake up in Jesus' name. Wake up. And that was all I was doing. Wake up. The guy was gone. Another woman came. She brought water. She was pouring. She poured the first one on him. The guy was not moving. His head was, he was gone. And another, she brought another water, poured on him. All of a sudden, he came back. And I looked at him. I was like, what? I went back into the car. And this particular area where we were, how do I describe it? Ethnically, my ethnicity and these other people, we are not of the best. We don't have the best relationship. Some of you may understand what I'm trying to talk about. So that was the area where I was. Where anything could have happened. 
I'm telling you, we, we weren't supposed to make it home that day. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And these same people, they said, oh, bring your car. Don't worry. Oh, don't worry. We'll help you. Because the only thing that got busted was the tire. No scratch on the car. Nothing. The guy was riding a bike, apparently. Just entered. He saw a tiny space. And he was coming with speed. And just. So we got there. They helped us. Changed the tires. Everything. By the time I looked back, where is this guy? He was gone. He was gone. And then, I paused. I told my wife, this is the one. That is why we received the instruction. You know, the scripture says that if you will live in the spirit, then you must walk in the spirit. Stop getting into unnecessary trouble. If you will live in the spirit, then you must what? Walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. I just smiled. I said, this is day one. This is day one. We got home by the grace of God. If that guy had hit his head, landing about 10, 15 feet on the ground, that would have been it. No broken bone, nothing. Just came back. Day two, we continued the fast. All this time, different food smelling in the house. Continue the fast. All of a sudden, got a call from my mother. Oh, I'm about to leave now. And guess what happened? The brake of the car failed. But thank God, it didn't happen while I was driving. I was just in the parking lot. Thank God. Day three. It was for three days. Day three, we were at at an event. Finished the event. One of the guests was leaving. And while the guests, as the guests turned, you know, the parking lot has a little, um, a, a little hill where you, you go up and then you make a turn. The guests turned and for some reason turned and went over the curb, over the parking lot and landed on another car that was parked. The person that parked the other car had just left the vehicle. As a matter of fact, the car was not even there. It was an empty spot. Meaning, if the person at the top didn't have that car there, there were five of them in that car, it would have just gone down into that lot. That would have been a different story. This was the end of the fast. And I remember one day, you know, that day, while they were trying to figure out, you know, the 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 cars and told them away. My mom, she was with me at a particular point. Then I moved close to her and I tell her that as children of God, we don't win some and lose some. We win all. I dare the devil to bring anything tomorrow. We will win again. We don't win some and what? And lose some. We win what? We win all. That's what it means to live a victorious life. If you will live in the spirit, then you must walk in the spirit. You don't have to be, this has nothing to do with you being a pastor or anything. You must be able to receive instructions and follow instructions no matter the enticements around you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
The forces of darkness are powerful, are wicked, and they are what? They are deceptive. Now, let me tell you this. Only the power of God, only what? The power of God can defend and deliver us from the power, the wickedness, and the deception of the devil. Oh, thank you, Lord. So Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Guess what happens? Apostle Paul says, finally, this is what I have to tell you. Finally. (laughs) My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We can only overcome the forces of darkness in the power of the Lord. In the power of God. That is when we can overcome the forces, the powers, and the principalities of darkness. And do you know the reason why? Because the powers and principalities were defeated at the cross. (laughs) And now they are under the feet of God. Because he is now seated high above sin and high above death. So let me show you where you are. Go with me into Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 7. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 7. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been what? Saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. (laughs) So where are you in all this? We are seated Where Christ is seated. In Christ Jesus. If Christ is seated high above principalities and powers. And I am seated in Christ Jesus. Then it means I am seated above principalities and powers. If Christ is above principalities and powers. And they are under his feet. Then I can also exercise the authority and the power of Jesus because I am seated in Christ Jesus. Because he is high above death and sin and I am in Christ Jesus, then it means I am above death. I am above sin. So there is no power that the enemy has, no matter how potent his power is. He is under my feet under my feet. Please don't go out saying you are in Christ Jesus and you are afraid of some power of the enemy. That's not for you. You are not of the world. You are not ruled by him. You are in Christ Jesus and the power that we have was the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that's the same authority that has been given to us to trample over serpents to trample over scorpions, to trample over all the powers of the enemy. That is where you are seated. If you didn't know that, 
know it now. In who? In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. So whenever I go anywhere, I'm not afraid of any devil. The only reason I won't go to a particular place is if the Lord has instructed me not to, or if it's too late to go to drive at night. Not because I'm afraid of any devil. No. I'm past that. I am saved by grace. And I am in Christ Jesus. If he cannot touch Jesus, he can't touch me. Oh, know who you are. That's the starting point of living a victorious life. Knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. I declare over you today, in the name of Jesus, you will not be a victim of the enemy's forces. In the mighty name of Jesus. In every situation, you will always win. In every situation, you will always be victorious. Come on, say a better amen. Now, this begins with salvation by grace. There were some Jewish, Jewish exorcists. You know, um, we spoke about them recently. Some guys, apparently they are from Ephesus. Some guys that wanted to use the name of Jesus to cast out demons. They were going to use his name, his power, his authority, even though they were not in him. They are called the sons of Sceva. I like that name. Sons of Skiva. I just like that Skiva. It's, it's, very, it's very hip like that. Sons of, like the rock band. Sons of what? Skiva. Sons of Skiva. They were skipped away. <laughs> because the demon saw them and says, what? The demon even got more upset that how can you lie like this? How, you don't even know this Jesus. And you were going to use this name of Jesus on us? By the time the demon was done with them, guess what? <laughs> They left, they were out naked. They left naked and were battered. I want you to use that name and that name to answer for you. You know, many people call Jesus. Many people get in trouble. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, that name does not answer for everyone. Only for those who are in him. So if you're going to call that name, be sure that you are in him. That you are in him. Go with me into 1 John chapter 5 verse 4. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4. It says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whoever is saved... Whoever is born again, that's the person that overcomes the powers, the wickedness, and the deception of the enemy. You must be born of God. You must be saved. I won't tell you it's advisable. No. You must be saved. It's a requirement. The world we are in today is too dangerous for you to live your life carelessly. Oh, people are dying every day for no reason. For something. It's like the things that the enemy has sold in different places are just germinating now. 
it's dangerous for you to live your life without Jesus. For you to have your family without Jesus at the center. For you to have a business without Jesus. <laughs> or have a profession or something without Jesus. It's dangerous. The Lord revealed something to my wife and I. You know, comes to the business, one of the businesses the business we have. And by the time the Lord revealed it. I told her, I said, this thing, this is what consultants are paid thousands of dollars for to figure out. And by the time the solution was revealed, so no consultant can reveal this one. None. We took care of it following God's instruction and immediately, I'm telling you the following week, I'm on the altar of God. Immediately, there was a change. There was, it was like the heavens just opened. Don't live your life without God. It's too risky. It's too dangerous. It's too dangerous. Stop letting the enemy defeat you. No. There was a testimony. One of the testimonies we got. And this testimony said I was going to read this one. It's by Pelumi. Pelumi is one of the coordinators on the team here. On the production team. And here is what she said. She said, it's a spiritual growth testimony. She said, I thank God for spiritual growth. Increase in my understanding and for the community and fellowship I have here at Model City Church. She said, I'm proud to say that things that might have previously interested me no longer hold my interest. And for that, I'm grateful to be made righteous in Christ Jesus. Now she goes on to say that I'm also grateful for the series, the teaching series we had in November called Undignified Praise. This has been a year of ups and downs. And recently, I received some news that otherwise would have taken my, jo my joy. But I stand here with joy in my heart and continuing to praise God. Because I know the Lord is at my right hand. So I will not be what? Be shaken. This is an overcomer right here. I read this testimony and I was almost moved to tears. She said, you know what? There are things that are shaking me right now. But I stand here. I stand here with joy in my heart. Knowing that the Lord is at my right hand. The enemy has nothing against the kind of person. Because what she's saying is, you know what? You've done your worst. But my joy is still intact. Oh, I'm unmovable. I'm unshaken. And she goes on to say that he has sent his angels ahead of me. And because he has the final say, even a closed gate is a season for rejoicing. Even a what? A closed gate is a season for rejoicing. You know why she's rejoicing? Because a greater gate will be opened unto her. She says that I thank God for my faith and increased trust in him. I thank God for my mentors at Model City Church, for his word, and for all the breakthroughs this year. I am so grateful and I know that 2024 will result in even more testimonies in my life. 
oh, there are testimonies that will be pouring in for this girl. There are testimonies that will be pouring in for this girl. This is what it means to live a victorious life. You are immovable. Devil bring it on. You are what? Immovable. Unshaken. 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 Let me close with this. And then we'll go into some prayers. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to what? Stand. To stand. Take up the whole armor of God. You don't wear it day one and take it off day two. You don't wear it only on Sundays. You take up that armor of God and wrestle with it. This is an ongoing battle. Apostle Paul says, for we wrestle not. (laughs) Not we wrestled. We wrestle not. When the enemy tempted Jesus in Luke chapter 4, after he was done with all those temptations, guess what he did? He left Jesus for an opportune time. Meaning he left him for the next time he would find an opportunity to come. I declare over you this evening, in the name of Jesus, you will not be a victim of these evil days. In the mighty name of Jesus. This new year 2024, you will overcome every battle. In the name of Jesus. At all times, you will win. You will not be a victim of the enemy's power. You will not be a victim of his wickedness. You will not be a victim of his deception. In the mighty name of Jesus. 